Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know that this year, most of the year, God really ministered to me through one passage of the Bible, and it's uh, about Gideon, because of the... I noticed that with every time God is doing something, before he does it, he has to do something in us. Okay? Uh, it's not that God is going to do something out there, and then he's doing something in us. No, it's always from the inside out. So he don't transform your circumstances first, he transforms you and me. And then our circumstances change. Okay? And, um, and I don't know... Uh, if you watch the news anytime this week, uh, you're probably not in doubt about we got a British Indian Prime Minister now. Mm-hmm. Never mind that no one voted for him. But uh, and uh, and and you know you know I'm a member of the Conservative Party, and uh, and I was speaking to someone here the other day, and I say you know what well, I couldn't really care less if he was Indian or Pakistani, Chinese, Filipino, English, as long as he's qualified. Okay. And, but for me, it's also to do with this thing about with, with Gideon, with this, this kind of, we, we're growing up without realizing, we're growing up in society where we're some kind of victims. Like, so because I'm this, that, and the other, I need a handout for me to succeed. And it's become so bad to, yes, there was a, yesterday, no, it was this morning, I can't remember, I saw... I couldn't believe what I was hearing on the news. A homeless person who was complaining about the home that they had provided for her. Okay. You know, for me, the world is going completely crazy. In terms of a homeless person who complains that the house that the council have given her is not good enough. What is the, what is the alternative? Sleeping on the street. Okay. But it's this thing that... With, uh, remember, I, well, it was the last Sunday I talked about the... the, the the, the paralyzed at the pool of Bethesda, it wasn't his fault that he didn't get healed because it was someone else who always came in in front of him and there was no one to help him. So it was not his fault that he was not healed. And it, it all points out to this thing again about victim mentalities. And, uh, and this is what God is dealing with Gideon at first because remember what, you know, we, we all know the quote, isn't it? That Gideon, he says, you know, where is all the miracles we heard of, and so on and so forth. And then, God, and then the angel of the Lord says to Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor. And Gideon said, no, 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 I'm the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst. No, he, he is just a victim, basically, and everything is just against him. And, you know, this is the society we are living in, when we are waiting for someone else to do what we are supposed to do ourselves. You know, but when you become a believer, when I became a believer, now our destiny is in our hands. Okay? Your happiness now is not depending on someone else doing what you so that you can be happy. Because now the Bible says that Jesus, He lives inside of you. And not only that, the Bible says that He who is in you is greater than He who is in the world. Now you're no longer defined by what is from the outside of you, you're defined by what is happening on the inside of you. And the, and the difference is, you and I, we control what is on the inside of us. Before, when we became a Christian, um, we lived in a world where we, we were pushed back and forth by physical circumstances, physical situations, what happens on the outside of us, and someone maybe needs to give us a break to do something. But now, when you become a believer, 
now you have everything provided to you on the inside. But just like as with Gideon, we need to know what God has done. Do you know that we can live in a world where the, the reality that we are living in, that we believe that is true, and it is so far away from the truth that it can be. Gideon, he thought he was, he was, from, he was the worst, in the worst family in Israel. And we, as I've shown you before, that was not the case. He was not the poorest of the poorest. In the, so when, we, when he finally got around to do what the angel of the Lord asked him to do, what, what, did he have, what did he do? He went to sacrifice two bulls. And according to the Levitical law, when you sacrifice bulls, that means you are wealthy. But not only that, Gideon didn't even do it himself. He got his servants to do it. And here was a guy, he said, I am complete... Not nobody. I am you. And, but the image he had of himself was completely wrong. And I believe the same thing with the body of Christ. We, for decades, maybe even centuries, that we have heard teaching about that we are on a survival course more. You know, that the most popular worship songs were the melancholic ones. You know, the, the ones where, you know, that, oh, I'm struggling. Oh, yeah. And then, then finally Jesus just came through and saved me. You know, it's like survival course. And they become so, well, they become so uh, melancholic and they speak to our emotions. And we, we can identify, yeah, sometimes life is difficult. But it's not what God has done. He says to you and I, we are mighty men of valor. Amen. I remember when I was, I was a popular worship song when I was a young believer. Uh, Pastor Fang used to play it all the time. You know, it's horrible. Okay, so what was the song? I am a wounded warrior for Jesus, something like this translated to. And it was just, and everyone oh, went, they cried, and you know, because it was, you know, everyone could feel, oh yeah, it's really difficult, and no, Jesus is my comfort blanket. No, Jesus is not your comfort blanket. Jesus wants you to conquer. He had made you and I to be more than conquerors. He did not make us to be people who are victims of our circumstances and that we just survive until he comes back. No, he made us to be his bride. Amen. You know, we, not just any bride. We are going to be the bride of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Okay? And this is what he made us to be. Not, not someone who is on a survival course where all oh, life is so tough against me and everything is tough and I'm just crying to Jesus. I, I pour my heart. No, that is not the relationship we have with Jesus. Okay? The relationship we have with Jesus is that we are co-workers with him. Amen. It's so important we see that you are not a victim, but because we become so adjusted to the victim mentality, the, the welfare state is everyone else's responsibility, and so on and so forth, when we, we bring that with us into the kingdom of God, oh, Jesus, do something. Can I tell you something? Jesus is not going to do anything for you. He's already done it. In the New Testament, it talks about in Hebrews that he sits at the right hand of the Father. In the Old Testament, if you noticed, in the Holy of Holies, there are no chairs. Why? Because they are working. But the moment Jesus, he said, it is finished, it is complete, now he doesn't do anything else for you. God is not going to do it for you. Amen? He has done it already. And faith is not that you're going to get it. Faith is that you see, I have it. Amen? That's what faith is. Faith is not that one day, one day, one day, one day. But this is what the world, have put, uh, religion has portrayed what faith is. One day, 
one day, one day, I don't know, you know, because there is a very famous book in, in England, I think every kid has to read when we grow up in an English school system. We had to do it also in Denmark by a very well-known author called George Orwell. You probably see the casino cartoon, Animal Farm. Okay, and there is a there is a group of uh, you know the horses in that in that in animal farm. They are the they are the picture of the Christians believers. You know, they always talk about Sugar Mountain somewhere in the future, and in, and just keep telling them about it's in the future. It's in the future, and as long as they've been told it's in the future, we can control them. It's it, it, the blessing is not for today. It's in the future. Is it? But I'm telling you, that's religion. Faith is that you got it today. Amen. Your breakthrough, you got it today. Your healing, you got it today. Because faith is not, I'm going to get it. Faith is that I see, I got it. Yes. Amen. You know, I don't, I'm not going to be saved. I, when I saw salvation was available, I could take it. Yes. Jesus didn't hold it back from me. He waited for me to see it. The same thing with my healing, with my provision, with my restoration, with my whatever you need, you need to understand it's not that you're going to stand in faith to get it because that means it's not yours. Mm-hmm. Faith is to realize it's already yours. That's why we got the Bible to tell us it's already yours. But for you and I to receive it, we need to get rid of that slave victim mentality that, that makes us feel all the time that we are not worthy and we are happy and content with Third best, fourth best, and fifth best, okay? No, Jesus died so that you could have the best that heaven had for you, okay? And that's, but many of us, because the devil tells us you are not worthy, you are not good enough, and so on and so forth, then we don't dare striving for it. That's why the early church was told about one thing to pray for. It was not for faith, it was not for money, it was not for healing, it was for boldness. Boldness of what? That they reach beyond their own limitations. They reach beyond their own flesh, their own history, their own failures. But they reach out according to the finished work at the cross. That's boldness. Boldness is that, yeah, I feel like this, but because of Jesus, I let that define me. That's boldness. Amen. The boldness is that, that I, yeah, yes, I have that family history. Yes, I have these circumstances. Yes, I have that situation. But the word of God says, and now I'm acting on that. That's boldness. That's why the early church, they, 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 they didn't ask. Make, make sure that Peter gets out. Make sure that this, no, they asked for boldness. So why? So they could walk into what God had already provided for them. Amen. You know, that they, they, as I said last Sunday with, with the crippled man at the temple, they, what did we say? Silver and gold have we not. But what we do have, I give unto you. What did they have? They had Jesus. And you know, when you read the details of that, in the, at the, it's actually interesting. Peter, he pulls him up and he's not healed. He's not healed. The, the guy does not get healed until Peter pulls him up. So you have a guy who can't stand on his feet. That's boldness. Yes. Amen. Because in his head, he probably had thought, no, you, you know, he's crippled, but he acted upon Jesus, the word of Jesus. It is finished. Mm-hmm. Amen. And that's the same with you and I, that, you know, that woman with the two uh, coins, what did she, did you see what she, the way she gave her offering? She didn't give the offering, she threw it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Why? Because it was boldness. Because she overcame her legs. 
She overcame the circumstances of like, no, you can't do that. You know, I don't know about you, but when God has asked me to give something, no, 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 I'm not talking about when there are times when God asked me to break new land. And then, you know what, the first thing the devil tells me, you cannot afford to do that. Okay, now, do I, and, and to overcome that voice, you need boldness. You need boldness to, to stand on the word of God despite of what your emotions say, despite of what your situation says, despite of what your circumstances tells you. So you need boldness. You need boldness when you feel that you are not good enough and you're not, and you're not sufficient. And when you have to, you need boldness to declare that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You need boldness to believe that God will grant you wisdom when you feel you have no answers. That's boldness. Amen. And this is what we are supposed to come back to. Gideon, he defined himself according to what he, his physical senses. His family might have had disappointments. That's why he felt that I'm nobody. And he, he was the youngest. He might have got bullied by his brothers or whatever it may be. But he, 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 he defined himself by anything but the word of God. And the angel came down and to remind him, Gideon, this is who you are. But because he maybe had been told so many times, we are nobodies, we are nobodies, we are nobodies, he started to believe it. And you know, we can say things so many times and we can actually start believing this is the truth. But when you start investigating, you find out this is not the truth. You know, remember when, um, when Joe Biden became president in America, and oh, especially with Obama, oh, so, oh, this is wonderful, this is wonderful because this is Dr. King's fulfillment of his I have a dream speech. Okay, because everyone thinks that uh, Martin Luther King, he, he, his speech, you heard, you heard about I have a dream speech, have you? Or you heard about it? Okay, you know, I have a dream. <laughs> so on. And, but, but if you go in and see the speech that he's saying, he's not saying that Obama, when he, that it was wonderful, he became a president because he was black. Okay, he did not say that it was wonderful, we have a, a British Indian prime minister. That was not what uh, Martin Luther King said in his speech. Okay, let's see, I'll just, I won't quote the whole thing for you. Um, says, uh, yeah, he says, this is the last, second last paragraph in his speech. He says, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged, notice this is important, where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. By their character. Now we're living in a society where you can basically say, in one way, we're living reverse. Okay? Before, people of color, they have less opportunities. Now it's reversed. Now it's like you need to have someone of color. Never mind if you're qualified. Now, last month there was a scandal in the British Royal Air Force where they found out that they're actually taking people in who is not qualified, but they have to take them in because of the color of their skin. So they have to say no to certain people because they were white, they were qualified, but because the quota of how many people they had to take in. Okay, but we, we all, so we, 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 we must, we must I, you know, seriously, I couldn't care less if you are Hindu, Muslim, or whatever, if I need an operation, really. All I need to know, are you qualified? I don't care if you pray in tongues 10 hours a day. I want to know, are you qualified? 
I don't care if you are a woman or a man or African or wherever you come from. I want to know you qualified because you are qualified. I don't want to be operated by someone who qualified because of the color of their skin. Amen? And that goes for anywhere. In a, no, we, we, I don't know. Uh, but, but it's so important that we understand what it's really about. But anyway, back to so Gideon, so God so the angel says to Gideon, "You are a mighty man of valor." And you know, and that thing goes again. Can you remember with Moses before when God called Moses? What did He say to Moses? Moses, I chosen you. You are going. Go to Pharaoh and say, "Let my people go." What did Moses say? I can't speak. He had to deal with his character. Moses now felt defeated. He was a victim. He know he probably had dreams. Yeah, we know he had dreams when he was young because of that's why he killed the taskmaster because he knew he was called to deliver the, the people of Israel. But he got disappointed, defeated, and so on. And he's, when God came to him and said, "Now Moses, now is the time. Come on." And Moses said, "No, I can't speak." Before God could use him, he had to transform who he was. He had to make him see, Moses, you are not that, uh, that failure that you think that you are. You are my tool. You are my servant. And I'm going to send you before the, the most powerful man in the world. But he had to do a work in him too first. And the same God has to do in each one of us. In our, the reason for why we have that the society look the way it looks like, it's not because of the sinners. It's because there is no light to guide the sinners, which is called the church. Amen. We are, the Bible says, uh, Isaiah 60, as you know, arise and shine. We are the light in the world. We are the hope of the world. Okay. But if our light is not shining, where does the sinners go? And we, we have to be honest with ourselves as the body of Christ. We've not been very good at uh, managing the blessing. You know, like, I don't know if what's, what's the news today about what happens in South Korea, that uh, all these people who died because of they went to a Halloween party. Now, South Korea was, was like the, the beaming light of what the gospel can do in a nation. In nine, from 1950, South Korea was so poor, okay? And now the blessing of God came upon that country, and now we are, now we are celebrating Halloween parties. I said, okay, we have not been good at it as a church. The, the, the churches in South Korea, they, they went through a huge corruption scandal last decade and so, because they could not handle the blessing. And when we ask, why is the world turning away? Because the body of Christ, we need to rise up. The real body of Christ. Not just the organization we call church, but the people who are truly born again. Amen. And I believe that that is what is going to happen. When we talk about the last days of the world, remember, it's in the church there's going to be a separation. Remember, the Bible talks about two should walk together. One will go and one will stay behind. Two lays in the same bed, one goes, one stays behind. It's the church he's talking about. There are many calls themselves Christians by name, but not, uh, but not in reality. A pastor, Dennis Beckham, he said to me, he wrote to me, uh, because um, we were writing about a guy who converted to, 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 uh, to become a Catholic, 
So Pastor Dennis, he says to me, you need to preach more against the Catholic Church. I said, I'm not bright enough to preach against the Catholic Church. But, but the thing is that Christianity we, we need to bring needs to be alive. Mm. Not like a, a ritual, not like a, a ceremony, but we, that each one of us must have a, 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 a real relationship with Jesus. Not just in words, but actually in deeds. That people who are in your presence, they can actually see that you know Jesus. Mm. Amen. And not just that, you know, like one, one phrase I really dislike that has become, that has creeped into the body of Christ now, where, where because sometimes, you know, over years we, we, we adopt words and the words means nothing, but it's just a way of saying things, okay? So like, the presence is here. Oh, well, I can feel, you know, I'm telling you, you cannot feel the presence of God. You can't. Because if you say you can feel, if you have to feel, now you are relying upon the five physical senses. And God is not physical, God is spiritual. You know, is there, you know, the rest is just uh, manipulations. And I'm telling you, uh, like the Yorkshire saying is, the proof, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. And I, I say, I'm telling you, everything with the gospel, the proof of it is in the transformation. Okay, like when people they say they've done this, that, and the other, they've seen this, that, and the other, and there is no transformation. I'm telling you, I'm just being subjected to their imaginations, and because of their insecurity, they slapping God showed me on it. But there is no transformation. If I've been to heaven, if I said I've been to heaven, I'm telling you, you will see transformation. I can promise you. The apostle Paul, he said in Corinthians, I know of a man. He didn't even say it. They are saying it was him. But why, what, what did he bring? He brought uh, the Corinthians 1 and 2, Romans, and he, he brought the revelation to earth that we are still preaching from today. We are still living on today. There was a transformation. Okay? And he, he transformed so much as that he might as well change his name from Paul to Saul. Okay? He, he, he transformed so much that he wrote that I have wronged no man because he knew that Saul on the road to Damascus, died. That was the transformation. They said about, you know, uh, was it, John and his brother, oh, I can't remember his brother now. Yeah, but, uh, no, uh, but, uh, they were called the Sons of Thunder. You know, they were, for me, that talks about they were probably very hot-tempered people, and, you know, they could, but God transformed them, that John became known as the love apostle. That's the transformation. And that was the first step that God had to do with Gideon before he could do that. He had to change how does Gideon look at himself. Are you looking at yourself as a victim or are you looking at yourself as a victor? And it's so important that you and I we realize we, 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 can, we are not slaves. It's so important we realize we are not here to serve God. We are not here to be servants of the kingdom. We are here to be children of the kingdom. Whatever we do, we don't do it to serve. We do it because we have experienced his love. Okay? Because if you serve or if you work for the kingdom, that means you're expecting a salary. Okay? No, we don't receive salary. How does God bless us? He do it through inheritance, which we cannot earn. We can only receive it through birth. 
Uh, that's why the new birth is so vital, okay? But anyway, so, but, and then in uh, Joshua 6.32, this is the verse, and uh, I just want to read to you, and then uh, all these things happens to Gideon, and then in 6.32, it says here, no, it's not 6.34, I think. Yeah, 6.34. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, okay, in, in this is my old Danish translation. This is the best translation of that verse. In my old Danish translation, it says that now the Holy Spirit, or now the Spirit of God, dressed himself in Gideon. Now the Holy Spirit dressed him. Now here it says he came upon him, but it's like the Holy Spirit put on Gideon like a jacket, so to speak. So, and what does that talk about? But once Gideon realized he was not a victim, once Gideon realized who God was and who he was in God's eyes, now faith came to Gideon, and now that faith was expressed through Gideon being able to yield to him. That's why the, 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 the translation talks about that the Holy Spirit dressed himself in Gideon. So now the Holy Spirit expressed himself through Gideon. In our culture, in our charismatic culture, it's been we have reversed it. We have reversed it too, but it's us who are using the Holy Spirit to express who we are. No, we, that's not the way it works. We are supposed to yield so much that the Holy Spirit expresses himself through us. So the Holy Spirit addressed himself. I think Johnson, he says something, I, I still haven't found much translation here, refers to, but he says there is a verse that says that, that the Holy Spirit, that he dresses it, that is something like, um, if you can, you know, there's these old toy, you know, these uh, many kings or dolls where you can put your hand in and then you can play. He said, this is how the Holy Spirit dressed himself in Gideon. I still haven't found much translation that Johnson refers to, but, but but, but the, the essence is, it is the Holy Spirit that has to express himself through us, not vice versa. It's not, because the, <coughs> the, more we get, the closer we get to Jesus, the less it becomes of us. Okay? The, the, you know, the, the, that's why Jesus, he said, he shall what? increase. No, John the Baptist said, he shall increase and I shall decrease. He shall increase and I shall decrease. Now, religion wants you to decrease first and then he can increase, but true relationship with Jesus will tell you, you just focus upon knowing him and then you will decrease automatically. Okay? But the, but the sign is there will be more and more and more and more and more of Jesus and less and less and less and less and less and less of us. Okay? Uh, Kenneth Hagen, he shared about when he was alive, when he was praying, that he could get so deep into the spirit that he struggled to come back to the flesh. You know, that in, in the book of Ecclesiastes, it talks about, and even New Age people talks about this thing, but in, in Ecclesiastes, it talks about that your soul is connected with a silver link. To the natural, so like uh, people who have uh, the, the new age movement, they, you know, they, 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 they're dabbling in this out of body experience, and they say that if the silver link is cut, that means you're dead. 
Okay. But, uh, but, uh, and, and when Kenneth Hagen, he said, you know, whilst many of times he was tempted just to take that extra step over into eternity. No, what does that remind us of? The guy, well, no, I forgot his name, what is the guy? The one who walked with God, he was, and now he was not. Uh, Enoch. Uh, who? Enoch. Yeah, Enoch, yeah. But Enoch, he walked with God, he was, and then he was not. Okay, can you imagine that? You was, and then you were not. Okay, but he walked with God. We say the same thing about a, an Indian man. They never found his body, uh, called uh, Sunda Singh, that he, 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 he walked with Jesus, resultantly, they never saw him again. Okay, and, but, so the closer you come to Jesus, it becomes less and less and less and less of you. No, the expression uh, of our faith is shown in, in us yielding to him. Because yielding is an expression of our trust. But we can only trust, you know, the, the thing is with trust, it cannot be artificial. You have to have a revelation, an increasing revelation of how, because or else you can't yield to him. Or else you can't do these crazy things. You know, that's why Jesus, he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, that he, when he hung on that cross, he yielded to God. What did he say? I, I entrust my spirit. That was the ultimate faith. He, you know, it was not like Jesus, you have to understand, Jesus didn't operate and say, oh yeah, yeah, I know, I'm just hanging here for, 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 for a day here, and then I go down to hell for three days, and then I'm back up here. That's not how it works. We, we know the story, okay? We, we, that's not, he had to do it by faith. He had to do it by trusting in him. That's why I said, God, I entrust my spirit to you. That was the ultimate faith. But you know, that was also the ultimate victory. Because that's where our salvation was won. That's where our restoration was won. That's where our healing was won. That's where our provision was won. How did he was, you know, it became all God and, and nothing of him. And, and what did Jesus say? We have to become like him. Okay? We have to become like him. This is our aim, that we are yielding to him. That we are yielding to him. So, well, so the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and when he blew the trumpet. Do you know what is amazing? He, as I told you before, when you see the word trumpet, when you blew the trumpet, when you see that phrase in the Old Testament, that is pronouncing the gospel. You know, the trumpet is not a metal thing, do you understand? The Jewish people, they don't use a metal trumpet. It's not like the queen or the king now, okay? That, uh, you know, it's, it's the goat's horn. Okay, and, he, and uh, I remember the, the goat's horn it refers back to um, when Abraham was asked to sacrifice Isaac, and when Abraham said God will provide, and when God, when God said to Abraham, don't kill Isaac, and when there was a goat caught in, uh, in the branches, and when he should slaughter the goat instead, and that's where the horn comes from. So when you're blowing the goat's horn, it, it's the message of substitutional death. Okay, 
and that's where when we so so when you when this holy spirit is upon you when you are anointed when you it's like with Gideon here the, the spirit comes upon him what does he do he blows the trumpet this is going according to Luke 4:18 what what did Jesus say in Luke 4:18 the spirit of the lord is upon me to declare the acceptable year okay to set the captives free and so this is the gospel we are preaching we're not here to preach a political opinion. We're not here to say, oh, this is Antichrist and this is that and the other. Jesus comes back tomorrow or yesterday and whatever. This is not our job. Our job is to proclaim the price has been paid and whoever receive, declares Jesus as their Savior and Lord shall be saved. I'm telling you, that simple message, that's what saved this nation, UK, from the bloodbath that happened in France during the French Revolution, because John Wesley was raised up by God, and then instead of people yielding to, to bitterness and, and all the, uh, the bloodbath that happened in France, they received Jesus as their Savior. Amen. And I'm telling you, it is it is so, so important. We as the body of Christ, we come back to that. Most people who don't know the church today, they will refer to the church as we are a bunch of people who, t- who, who have a lot of do's and don'ts and moral codex and do this and that and the other and you can't do this if you're a Christian and you have to do that. That's not what it's about. It's about have you met Jesus? Have you met him? Have you met the King of Kings? Have you met the one who can forgive your sins? Okay? This is what our our job is to do. And when you and we you, when you know and I know in our lives when we meet Jesus, then everything else falls into place. Amen. It's, you know, when, it, it, when when you get to Jesus, everything gets into the right perspective. Okay. So, uh, so so he blows the trumpet and he blew the trumpet and Abiezer was gathered after him. And what happens after that? They confront. What, what what is he confronting? He confront. He, he destroys the Baal's worshippers, mm-hmm. or the Baal statues. So, and Baal is a is a picture of compromise. Okay. It's a picture of compromise. You know, the Baal's worshippers. They, they 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 mainly lived in the mountains. Okay, and they. And the reason for why the Baal's worshippers were so attractive was because it looked like it was easier for the Baal's worshippers to get water or rain. But as you know, when you go up high, rain is more likely to fall. Okay? What did God say to Israel of how should they get the rain? They should trust and obey the word. And that's hard sometimes for our flesh. We have all been in situations where we, it would be easier just to make that compromise or make that shortcut instead of doing what the Bible says that we are supposed to do. It's easy just to cut a corner here and there. But this is, where, this is what it, the Baal's worship is about, really. It's about that compromise destroys the will of God in your life. I think it's, uh, is it in the Song of Solomon it talks about that it's the small foxes that destroys the wine. It, it's not the big things. It's the small foxes. The small things. You know that uh, we, we've seen how uh, Boris Johnson messed it up as a prime minister, but I'm telling you, if you go back to his university days, you could see already the seeds to what he did as a prime minister, where he thought laws does not apply to him. Okay? 
you can see that right from the beginning. I, I remember that, 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 that you, know, you can always see very quickly. You know, no one grow, no, no one becomes a disaster overnight. You can see the seeds growing, and you know it's far easier to deal with it when they are small. That's why sometimes some of us, when God corrects us, we thinking, what is the big deal about this now? This is just a, such a small thing. No, because but if it's not dealt with now, that little thing will be such a big thing in years to come, and then the consequences of it will be far bigger. And that's so, so, so when God deals with you with something that you think, oh, what is the big deal about that? You should give praise to him and say, thank you, Jesus. You just spared me for a lot of pain, a lot of, a lot of setback, a lot, you know, because you're dealing with it now. The consequences is not as big as if it's been allowed to grow. Okay? I don't think anyone grows up and says, oh, I, I just want to be a serial killer. When no one wakes up, oh, I, I just want to be a drug dealer today. No one wants to know. It's a seed that is sown. And do you know what? It very often comes back. You can trace it all the way back to identity. All the way back to identity. Because of, it's all about value. If you, I remember when I did prison ministry here in, in Leeds. Uh, um, you, 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 you would see the majority of the people who sits in prison, they have this thing in common that they grew up without a father, or they grew up in a broken home. Okay, that, that was the majority of them all. That uh, that there was one thing they all had in common: they grew up in broken. What happens when you you grow up in a broken home? It destroys your identity, or it confuses your identity. If you are if you grow up with a single mom, what 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 what? How does it work? In the Jewish culture, the name comes from the father, and the protection should come from the mother. It was like, for example, in the Jewish way, you are only a Jew if your mom is a Jew. Okay. So, but if you have a dad who is not a Jew, you're still a Jew, but you don't have a name. So if you have a dad who is a Jew, but a mom who is not a Jew, you got a name, but you're not a Jew. I have a friend, he said, he said to me, I wish I didn't have the name. No, his dad was a Jew, but his mom was not a Jew, and do you know what his name was? That's why he said, I wish I didn't have the name. Epstein, I don't know who, you know. You know, a, a, a sexual offender from a man said, "Of all the Jewish names, I got this one." <laughs> okay, and but and but and 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 because of and what happens is that people they do things to gain acceptance. Okay, so uh, that's why when we when you look at it from the outside, why do people get involved with uh, with gangs? Because from the outside, it doesn't look very attractive. But for those who get into it, it's because now they get an identity. And they will do anything to keep that identity. Okay? And that's why when we, when we, it was so important in, to, to, when you become a believer to make you know who you are in Christ. Because in, when you become a child of the living God, you also become a new creation, which means you also get a new identity. 
And many Christians today, they never go through the process where they see that the old has truly gone. So what happens is that the devil tries to keep telling them to keep improving on that person who is dead. Oh, you need to be better at this. Oh, you need to. Uh, you are like this, and then refer to something in your character from before you got saved. And when you're working so hard to restore that, and the devil is just laughing at you because he knows that person is dead, and you're trying to make that person who is dead better. Okay. No, that person is dead, and that's where when you realize the person that you think you are doesn't exist. Now you are free. Do you know that Jesus had to go through the same as you and I? Before he started out in public ministry, God had to deal with his identity. What, when did he do that? When he got baptized. And then, do you know what? He got challenged by the devil at the same thing. You know, what did God say when he got baptized? This is my son, the beloved. What did the devil say? If you are the son of God. He, he forgot one word. Beloved. Okay? You know, it, it, the word beloved is very important because God is not just going to endure you. God is not just to, oh yeah, yeah, I know, you know he's my favorite, she's my favorite. Oh yeah, that's you. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. You are here. No, you are his beloved. Amen. Amen. And the devil, he says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, he was, what, what was he doing? He was trying to shake his identity. Because if he could shake his identity, he could shake his faith. No, and the devil tried to do it again through the Pharisees. What did the Pharisees say to him? We know who our dad is. But do you know who your dad is? Because it was public knowledge that Joseph was not the dad. So the Pharisees questioned, oh, you, you, you're basically just a bastard. Now, what did we try to do? Undermining his identity. And you know, but when, when, you are, when you and I, we, we feel we are nobodies, now we become relying upon what someone else says about us. Okay? I, I, many people, we think we are free, but we are not. Because many people, other people have something that we want from them. That can be acceptance. Their respect. And so on and so forth. And if they have to, some that, if if you want that from someone else, now they can control you. And that's why that God wants you to understand He is your source. Amen. And and this is your you can do that as a homework. I do it on a regular basis. That I, specifically in the summer ninety four. No, no, no. 90, 90, 91, the summer 91, I think, um, I had this, uh, where I, I said to him, I wrote this down in my notebook, I said, who am I? Mm-hmm. And then I went to Bible, and it's about 144 scriptures in the New Testament, in, uh, especially in the, in the Apostle Paul's epistles, where he talks about scriptures like, in Christ, by Christ, in whom, and so on. But before, and, I said, and I wrote all these scriptures down, start meditating, start confessing it, start reading them, hold them up, and realize this is who I am. Do you know, that was a long cry from who I thought I was. Okay? I thought I can do, I know for me, it was like I can do absolutely nothing. Okay? But 
But the Bible says, I can do all things with Christ who strengthens me. Now, who do I trust now? When I look at my hands, I can heal nobody. But the Bible says, if I lay my hands on someone, they should be healed. Now, who do I believe now? Now, my body and my, my experience says that I'm going to die. The Bible says I'm going to live forever. Who am I going to believe now? Uh, I can feel symptoms in my body. And I feel ill and sick and whatever. And the Bible says by his stripes you have been healed. Who do I believe now? The Bible says I'm the son of a king. <laughs> Society says I'm complete opposite. There's not much royalty in my family. Okay, So who do I believe? And it, and it was that, that transformation was so important because of that becomes your foundation of your faith. That changes the way you pray. Because when you start seeing who you are in Christ, now prayer is not begging. Prayer is fellowship, talking. Have you heard? You know, some people, the way they, you know, they, 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 it's like the more they can cry, the more they beg and whatever, they're thinking they can convince God to bless them. But really what they're doing is they're showing they don't know who they are. Just like with, you know, when, when I got adopted to Denmark, I was told, I can't remember, but the first many weeks I was in Denmark, I, I couldn't speak the language or anything like that. I just didn't say anything. And all I did was I was sitting in front of the fridge. Because the orphanage that I came from, there was a lack of food. Because, as I said, you know, South Korea was really, really poor. And uh, so I was just sitting there in front of the fridge. Do you know what? Once I started realizing at one stage that I was a part of the family, I no longer behaved that way anymore. Do you understand? When I realized that I belong, then I don't need to behave like a poor or beggar or whatever anymore. Okay, and but many of us as believers, the devil have convinced us we are still like me the first week or two weeks when I when I came that I don't belong, so I, we're sitting in front of the fridge hoping. Okay, we need to we need a, we, and we, this is what I believe this is what I call revival. Revival is not that suddenly you can walk down the street and everyone sings hallelujah. That's not revival. Revival is that you and I we wake up and we realize. This is who I am. Yes. Amen. This is who I am. I like the story that Joel Osteen, no, not Joel, John Osteen, Joel Osteen's dad, he shares this story about that uh, there's two demons who walks down the street, and then the, the little demon, he, he says, oh, let's go into that house. I mean, the, the big demon says, no, 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 John Osteen lives in there. Don't go in there. Last time we went in there, we got beaten so badly that we forgot what day it was. So he said, don't go in there. Okay? Because he knew who he was. And he know but that and that does not mean everything is easy. John Osteen, I, I read uh, his wife had written a book about her hus- late husband. And John Osteen, he was so scared of flying. Okay? He was so scared of flying. And and when uh, Dodie Osteen, she writes in that book where that how he has to confront this fear of flying, that he calls her every, he, he, you know, he, 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 can, he can't sleep a week before he has to fly, and he was sweating, and he calls her from, uh, from the airport, you know, that was before with the coin thing, and, you know, and he was just sweating, and, uh, and he probably helped the pilot flying the airplane, you know, like, 
you know, you know, when I, had I helped the pilot when we landed in Toronto last night, yeah, yeah, it's good, you can help the pilot, maybe you can get a discount, <laughs> you know, when you hold on to it. And, but he, but he, 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 he overcame. You know, when you overcome, I'm not saying it's easy for your emotions, it is a challenge. But we have to. But you know what? You can do it. You can do it. So may, maybe next time you're flying, you can, you can maybe put it, can I get an upgrade because I'm helping a pilot to fly the plane today? How? I, I fly in tongues. You know? I, I was once in a flight from Leeds Bradford to Amsterdam. I'm telling you, I was this woman, I she was scared. She hold anything and anyone she could hold on to in the airplane. She wasn't a Christian because if she had been a Christian, she would have been praying in tongues too. And actually, Leeds Bradford is the worst airport to land in. Did you know that? If it's windy. Because it's right on the top. Okay. Anyway, but back to this thing about... So Gideon, when the Spirit came upon him, oh, and when it was the message of Luke 4.18, and then he confronted the compromise. Do you know what? And I also, I think, I, I, and the thing is, the compromise is in our own lives. Now, now, now what, what is important? Don't fight the compromise in someone else's life. Fight it in your own life. Amen. Okay? Because if you try to fight it in someone else's life, you just become someone really annoying thing. Okay? Amen. But do it in your own life. Uh, I don't know. That's what happened to where I was. Uh, I was a preacher down in what is it called, Speaker's Corner in Hyde Park or something, who last week got arrested or something. And I think it was because she wanted to fix the compromises in everyone else's life. Okay, so, so the police arrested her. No, compromise, focus upon it on your own life. And and, then, and when we know the, story, the rest of the story with Gideon, that he became one of the great greatest judges of Israel, and he brought prosperity to his nation and so on. And you know what? That's the same thing that you and I, as a body, as a church, we can do. Amen? This is so, so, so important. The world needs what you have. The world needs to see there is a living God. It's not a religious relic we're worshipping. The world needs to see it. And we are living in a story that, that we're living in a country that has such a rich heritage, Christian heritage. You go anywhere and you can ask the local people or read it up and so on. There is a revival history in every single place in this country. I read about, a, you know, Whitby. Well, I was a preacher and God told him to go into the town hall and he just preached the gospel and the whole village got saved, the town, whatever you call it. And, uh, and it was it was just crazy. And uh, you know, like uh, many many years ago, he's gone home to be with, with Jesus. Now there was a professor, Vernon Wright. He was a medical professor, and uh, he was a consultant at LGI. And when he was a young junior doctor, he used to go down at the town hall in Leeds City Centre and and preach the gospel every lunch break. And everyone said to him, "This is a wrong career move." You know, that is not a good career move. You know, if you want to be a consultant, don't do that. But he was first and foremost a child of God. And he became one of the most respected uh, professors in his field. 
when he was alive and uh, and 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 it's and this is what God wants to bring back okay through you and me through you and me and I'm telling you is uh, this is the last uh, this is the generation where God wants to raise up of young people uh, young people we're all young in God's eyes okay that uh, so that we can make a difference okay this is what we have. Silver and gold may we not have, but what we do have, we will give it unto you. Amen. We will give it unto you. We can give them Jesus. We can give them the revelation of restoration. Because if anything, especially in our country now, uh, what do we need most? Hope. People are scared of putting on the heat. People are scared of uh, no, heat or eat, heat, heat or eat, yeah, heat or eat. Uh, you know, it's just crazy in this situation. That fear is just everywhere. And there's nowhere to look. Who, who would ever have thought? We have phrases like uh, warming houses, warming rooms where you can go if you have, if you, just to get warm. And, who, and, and now, out of this chaos, the church to stand up. We shall bring hope. We shall bring found stability because when when the wind is blowing, Jesus said, "I am the same yesterday, today, and forever." And whatever that happens in the world, He can provide. That's what you know. That, you know, I have one of the greatest images of Jesus is when the crossing the uh, the, the sea and the storm, the wind is blowing, and Jesus is sleeping. He is at peace. And so can you and I be in these circumstances. But it's not just for you and I to be at peace. It's also for those who are around us should be at peace. That the anointing should not just be on us. The blessing should not just be on us. But it shall overflow to those where we have been placed in. We are not just here to say, oh, see how good we are. No, it's supposed to flow from us to those around us. Amen. So when you're saying to someone, we say, it will be all right. It's not just to comfort them. No, it will be all right. Why? Because with words that you're saying, the Bible says that God will back those words up. Amen. So you can speak peace. You can speak restoration. You can speak hope to where you have been placed and where, I'm, where I have been placed. This is what we've been called to do. And in that way, we become the light. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we, I ask, bring revelation to each one of us that 